0: Our second reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, in the fourth chapter, verses 21 through 30. Friends, listen now for a word from God. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman in Syria. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up They drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off a cliff. But he walked right through the crowd, and he went on his way. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, open up our hearts and minds by the power of your spirit, as we've read your scriptures, and as we listen for your word proclaimed. Help us to hear your words with joy as we listen to what you speak to us today. Amen. Have you ever left an event and you thought, that's not what I thought it was going to be? Or perhaps you've eaten something or tasted something that didn't taste like you expected it. I had an experience like that with sushi. I remember the first time I had it, I was in maybe the third or the fourth grade, whenever the fourth Harry Potter book was coming out. Sushi was very cool. It was in all of the TV shows, it was in all of the movies, and it was pretty cool among my circle of friends. My dad had started to like it, even, too. I remember that we were sitting in one of those hibachi restaurants, you know, where they cook in front of you and they do all the the tricks. So I asked my parents if we could order some sushi, because I wanted to be cool. So we ordered the sushi. And as we're waiting on it, my dad makes a bet with me. It would appear that he knew something that I didn't at the time. My dad bet me that if I could swallow a piece of a California roll, we could go get the new Harry Potter book. Now, I wanted that Harry Potter book, and I wanted it to be cool. So when the sushi came, I dipped it in the soy sauce like I had seen you were supposed to. I put it in my mouth, and I started to chew, but then I lost it. Like the avocado and the seaweed. It was just terrible, guys. I really think I would have thrown up more had my dad not taken one for the team and put his hand in front of my mouth to catch the rejects. I'm not sure what I thought sushi was supposed to taste like, but it was not that. I suspect the crowd had a similar feeling as Jesus was teaching them in the synagogue that day. I suspect they expected Jesus to pat him on the back and tell them what a good job they had been doing listening to God's will. But that's not what Jesus does when he returns to Nazareth. Just after Jesus was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus returned to Galilee where he taught in the synagogues and was very highly praised and acclaimed. He then went on to Nazareth where he had been raised, and like he did every other Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue He stood up and he read when he was handed a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. From the scroll, Jesus read these words to the people in Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Today's verses pick up here as Jesus is returning the scroll to the aid, and then he turns to address those gathered in the synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown. He turns to them and he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. They rave about him and they talk with one another about how great he is and how gracious the words that Joseph's son shares with them, but in the midst of all of their praising, he says something to them that causes the people in Nazareth to change their tone. Jesus tells them, surely you'll want me to duplicate what I did in Capernaum, although he has yet to do anything in Capernaum. If you followed along in your pew Bible, you might have noticed that he goes to Capernaum Next. But anyway, the people of Nazareth don't seem too confused by that. Jesus continues to remind the people that prophets aren't often welcome in their hometowns, and they don't often prophesy to the people that raised them. He reminds them of the great prophet Elijah. There had been a drought in Israel and there was no food, and surely there were many widows in Israel that were without food and hungry. But Elijah wasn't sent to them. Instead, God sent Elijah to a widow in Zarephath, in Sidon, not Israel. Jesus then reminds them of another one of the great prophets, Elisha, similar name there. During these times, leprosy was much more rampant than it is now. People with leprosy weren't welcomed. And surely there were many people with obvious skin diseases in Israel. But Elisha doesn't heal them. Instead, Elisha is called to cleanse someone from Syria, not someone from Israel. Both of these prophets work miracles for people outside of Israel. When Jesus reminds them of these stories about people of God, Doing these profound acts of love for outsiders, they become enraged because it's not them. Jesus' message was not the one that they expected to hear. Jesus telling those gathered in the synagogues these stories of prophets working miracles for people that they could care less about, these people that they could really live their lives without even knowing they existed, it makes them angry. I think they're frustrated because Jesus didn't return to Nazareth with those, like, congratulations, you've been doing a great job. But instead, he reminds them that God sends for outsiders. And then God includes them, just like God's people did with Elijah and the widow and Zarephath and Elisha with the man the Syrian. In telling those two stories to the crowd in Nazareth, Jesus subtly flips the status quo. Jesus reminded the people in Nazareth to think about someone other than themselves. He suggested that God's story might include everyone, even Gentiles, even people they didn't care about and that they wanted to ignore forever when he proposed this change, this idea that was so different from the way things had always been. The people didn't just resist his change and move slowly. They were so angry that they rejected Jesus. They took this boy that they had seen grow up to the crest of a hill, a cliff, and they were ready to throw him off. Yet somehow, Jesus manages to pass through an angry mob and go on his way to Capernaum. Sometimes I I wonder if we're afraid of being thrown off a cliff, and so paralyzed in fear that we can't manage to move through the crowd. I wonder if this fear of changing the status quo leaves us ignoring those on the outside who are desperate for inclusion, The prisoners ready for release, the blind waiting to see, and the oppressed waiting to be liberated. Sometimes I wonder if we're really afraid to follow God's call. The reading that the lectionary pairs with this sort of odd story about Jesus' rejection in his hometown is one about someone who is afraid to follow God's call. You just heard it read, it's the call story of Jeremiah. Jeremiah recalls how God chose him. Jeremiah remembered God saying to him, I created you. I knew you in the womb, and before you were even born, I set you apart. I imagine Jeremiah was probably a little confused as He's hearing God say these things to him, so he replies back, but I'm only a child. Young Jeremiah gives God an excuse, but God doesn't do excuses too well. God tells Jeremiah that he must go. He must speak as God tells him, but most of all, don't be afraid. God tells Jeremiah, don't be afraid because I am with you. And after touching Jeremiah's mouth and giving him the words to say, God gives Jeremiah three charges over the nations and the empires. To uproot and to tear down. To destroy and overthrow. To build and to plant. To build and to plant. God charges Jeremiah and Jesus with the same things. Dig up, destroy the status quo to destroy and overthrow the old way of doing things that leaves people on the outside, to build up the kingdom of God, and to plant seeds of love in the world. Jesus tells the people of Nazareth about how God guided the prophets to help the outsiders, the people that Israel could care less about. The people of Nazareth get so angry that it's not them that they try and throw Jesus off a cliff but Jesus walks through the crowd and goes on his way. I wonder if in these moments as Jesus is being guided towards the cliff, up the hill, if he's having a conversation with God similar to the one that God had with Jeremiah when God called Jeremiah to be a prophet. I wonder if God reminded Jesus that this is what Jesus was born for, This is what Jesus is called to do and to not be afraid, for God is with him. I wonder if God reminded Jesus of his calling as they approached that cliff and as Jesus decided to walk through the crowd on his way. I wonder if God might remind us of our callings, too, when we are on the edge of a cliff. Now we might not all be standing on a literal cliff, as there are none of those in St. Simons that I'm aware of, but again, I'm new. But I think we, too, often find ourselves afraid to do what we know is right because we fear the consequences. We often find ourselves afraid to speak up for fear that we won't be seen as cool. We find ourselves seeing injustices in the world but we're afraid to say anything, or to do anything, because the rest of the world doesn't seem to care, so that must not be important. We often avoid building relationships with our neighbors, and instead of planting seeds that remind the world of God's love, we plant seeds that let fear grow. But being afraid is not what God calls us to do. In the way that Jesus reminded the people who watched him grow up in Nazareth that God sends God's people to care for those on the outside, like Elijah and Elisha, were sent to care for the people outside of Israel. We, too, are reminded that God calls us to care for the ones on the outside, to care for our neighbors, to love one another, even though society expects us to only care about ourselves. God tells us to build and to plant, to speak God's words of love, and to not be afraid, for God is always with us. Before we were even created in the womb, we were made to be proclaimers of God's love from the very beginning. So friends, do not be afraid to show God's love, for God is always with you.